0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula. Thanks for joining us as we charge down the inside at turn one to tackle this week's biggest motorsport stories head on. I'm Owen Bellwood and I'm joined once again by Will. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm not too bad. We're like two weeks away now from
1: actually getting some racing. and It made me realise how great it was to have racing back during lockdown when we were in the midst of it and there was absolutely nothing happening and then finally we got a race because I think F1 was one of the first things to pick back up again.
0: Yeah, it was like the first thing you had to look
1: forward to. Yeah, and now we've had like two months without racing and finally there's actually something just to watch, even if it is testing and there's nothing actually really to watch because you don't know what anything actually means, which is why we're going to do our entire episode today about what testing meant.
0: How much of testing did you actually watch this weekend? I kind of came and went. I I didn't really watch much on Friday because I had a busy day at work, but then had it on Saturday morning while I was making my breakfast and then went out and did some bits and then came back and put a little bit on in the afternoon and did sort of the same on Sunday. What about yourself? I was up
1: bright and early to catch uh, the seven o'clock start on Friday. Didn't quite manage it on Saturday. I think I saw some of the morning session and I was quite busy on Saturday and didn't watch much on Sunday because I was like, there's, there's not much happening anymore. They are just driving around. They're doing like race sims and quality sims. And I also got a little bit annoyed that a lot of the fastest times on some of the days where some of the drivers were set by the prototype tyres, and it was like, well, that means nothing to me.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say interest waned over the weekend, but once you'd seen all the cars on track, figured out how people were going to be doing, there wasn't a lot of
1: excitement. me on assessing has always been something that you have on in the background to listen to inane chats about the sport, which hopefully, if you're listening to this, you probably are a fan of.
0: We're going to... Talk through five points from testing that we've picked out that seemed like interesting points for discussion. They seemed like. We well, time will tell if they actually are interesting. <laughs> the first point of discussion that I have noted down for us today is the Chonky Alpine is what I've referred to it as.
1: Yeah, it was it's a surprise because they're the first they're the only team on the grid this year using the
0: Renault engine, aren't they? Yes. I'm not really sure what happened, but I woke up on Friday and it's all anyone was talking about, how bulbous the engine cover was. Which is funny because I think it's something that you could only, I couldn't
1: tell until they pointed it out. I think it's something that is probably quite obvious in real life. You had
0: to see kind of a side-by-side comparison to appreciate that it was a bit more inflated. Yeah, and as far
1: as I could tell, no one really explained like, what the the benefit of it might be.
0: No, there was a few discussions where engineers were saying it was, they'd slightly tweaked the arrangement of the engine, and I think it was where either the radiators were or the air intake was. So they'd ended up putting it a little bit higher, and they decided that the losses that they would have due to the higher centre of gravity could be offset by the performance gains that the engine could have. So that's why the engine has ended up looking a little bit taller in the car, a little bit sort of wider, and... Just a little bit like the car's been overinflated.
1: I think it goes to show that we're reaching the end of a regulation period. And everyone is just doing all they can to squeeze every bit out of their development. Like they're almost running out of ideas. They're saying, right, because Alpine said that they were surprised no one else had done what they'd done. And it's because they're now trying to pick up performance from every like little thing they can possibly change on the car. And I don't think it's going to make much of a difference having a a, a big old air vent at the top. No.
0: I mean, they, they had a pretty good weekend. Fernando Alonso was setting some pretty tidy times and Esteban Ocon was out putting in the miles. So I guess there's not a lot we can comment on the gains that their thick engine will, uh, will provide them this year. But the car looked excellent on track, I have to say. Yeah,
1: it's a nice delivery. It looks nicer in the... In the blue because i thought we were getting the uh the black testing livery they had initially launched Do you remember when they kind of released those pictures with the um alps
0: yeah and it was basically the livery we have now but all the blue was black wasn't it
1: yeah and i thought that was a, a test livery because we know that Renault liked to do a, a black test livery in the past um but no they went all out
0: and went with their nice
1: like kind of shiny matte finish
0: yeah i think the finish is my favorite thing about it and how it sort of Catches the light and the colour looks a little bit different depending on if it's morning, afternoon, the lights are on, there's a sandstorm, you get everything.
1: Although, while we're talking about blue liveries, we have to talk about how they have got to change the colours they use in the timing graphic. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? (laughs) It's impossible. Well, it was difficult enough when they had the track map in the corner and they had, like, they highlighted maybe the Williams and the Alpine. But imagine when like it's going to be practice or qualifying and there's two of them out there and they go, oh, it's just not going to work. They've got to do something.
0: And then there's a few other teams that are quite similar as well on track. Like there were some head-on shots where the Aston Martin and the Mercedes both look quite similar and the Alpha AlphaTauri as well, because they're all just sort of dark colour on the front. I could almost say the Aston Martin is a green Mercedes. You could, but when it's head-on, it looks the same colour. You can't tell the difference. <laughs>
1: I mean, that could be down to the track and, and the lighting at Bahrain while it gets dark. But that does move us nicely onto our next point, which was the misfortunes of Mercedes over the weekend, which is something that we're not very used to saying unless it's to do with their pit crew. They didn't They didn't have a great one, did they?
0: No, it was quite out of character for them, wasn't it? Uh, they started with Bottas managing just one installation lap i think it was and then he had to scurry back to the pits for a mechanical issue
1: yeah they they replaced the gearbox i think one of the interesting things i think will buxton mentioned it but they're the only team that didn't do a a filming day between launching their car and testing so they had no shakedown literally that was the very first lap that car had done and it meant they they missed an entire an entire session which on any other you know eight days of testing in the past wouldn't have been that much Uh, but it ended up being a third of Bottas's running time
0: yeah it was quite unexpected and yeah a lot of people were asking that question with hindsight should they have done a filming day before just to iron out any niggles and find out if there was going to be an issue once they'd fixed the gearbox it didn't really improve that much over the weekend did it?
1: No, I think in the session on Friday afternoon, didn't Lewis span and brought out a red flag? Uh, he got stuck in the gravel. Didn't seem to hook it up really quite as well as you would have expected him to.
0: Yeah, there were a few just little spins here and there, little corners where it looked like the, um, the back end was getting away from them. It just looked a little bit kind of squirrely. It just didn't look like they were as on rails as it has done in previous years. Yeah, I think one of the things that will
1: be interesting is that, again, we're at the end of these regulations, but there is a a relatively major change in that the, the floors have to be a lot skinnier. All 10 teams have done completely different things with the aero on those floors to make them skinnier. And so I don't know how much time is there to be won and lost in that area of the car, but is it something that if Mercedes miss and the other teams hit, maybe they could get caught up a little bit?
0: The other theory that I saw was that the slightly reduced floor aided the higher rake cars, so the ones that look like they're sat at more of an angle, like the Red Bull traditionally has, whereas the Mercedes has always just been flat and parallel to the ground. So a few pundits over the weekend were saying that the higher rake could help recover some of the the downforce that's been lost, but I guess we won't really know until um, qualifying in just over a week's time now.
1: And that's the caveat with all of this, isn't it? Every point we make, you just feel, well, we won't really know until the
0: end of qualifying. It wasn't all bad for Mercedes over the weekend, though, really, because Bottas did top the timing sheets on the Saturday. So that was one little positive for them. But other than that, they did set the lowest number of miles of any team. Yeah, Which, when it's all about reliability, is not really how you want to be starting the season. But I still think there's very few people that would bet against them winning... An eighth world championship this year
1: yeah but it'd be nice for it to be a little bit close though wouldn't it question for you then who had a worst weekend mercedes with their 304 laps or aston martin even though they did 10 more laps
0: it's a tough one isn't
1: it bear in mind that the team did all turn up in their brand new jimmy Choo trainers Make sure that is informing your decision here because it's obviously a major point.
0: Yeah, I saw they were Javichu trainers. (laughs) But before I'd been a bit like, oh, those trainers look quite nice. Oh, no, no, they're not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Aston Martin also did not have a good weekend. They also had a gearbox issue on the Saturday, which cut Seb's running quite dramatically. Their times, obviously, again, you don't know fuel loads and tyres and things like that, but their times over the weekend weren't great. And there was actually a three-second difference between Lance's time and Seb's, which seemed pretty extreme. Yeah, it depends. I don't know.
1: What tyres what did they set those on? Uh, Seb was on prototype and Lance's on C5, which is a step
0: softer, wasn't it? So I guess that is going to make the difference.
1: Yeah, and there's, there's a lot more that Seb would have been using this time for that Lance wouldn't. It'll be things like, you remember when the Aston launched, they were talking about all the different buttons on the inside of the car. Um, It is going to be very different to a, a Ferrari and getting used to how to drive that. Seb did the fewest laps of anyone except for Roy Nassani over the weekend. He still did 83 laps and Vettel did 117, even though Nassani did half a day less. And compare that to George Russell, who did a whole 41 laps more than Seb, even though he only did a day. I'm going to be expecting Aston Martin to play and catch up a little bit. I think they might have to use the first Bahrain race to collect some more data. In a way, it will be more of a kind of finding out where they are mission. Um, they've probably not done as much to the car as it seems like Alpine have done, as it seems like McLaren have done. They probably kind of just petered along.
0: It just seemed polar opposite to where they were at testing last year, how they came along with the racing point as they were then, and they were setting really surprising times. They brought all this extra performance. They brought the pink Mercedes uh, and everyone was quite excited about what they were going to be able to do through the year. And then this year they had their launch. Everyone got excited about what Aston Martin could do. And then it just seemed a bit underwhelming. Yeah, that's only because you bought an Aston Martin hat last week. I did. I've worn it pretty much every day.
1: (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I think a It's a sign of good marketing, isn't it? For the first three months, Aston have been really good at building the hype. But if it doesn't translate onto track, then it it means diddly squat. But also it's testing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It means They could be the biggest sandbaggers of them all.
0: Well, that's the word everyone bats around, isn't it? Sandbagging. Do we believe that Aston Martin and Mercedes were sandbagging so much that they were two of the slowest teams?
1: Well, Aston was slow. Seb was the second slowest time and Lance was about P10.
0: Of the teams, Mercedes were the fifth fastest team. Their fastest lap was from Lewis and it was a 130.025 on the C5 tyres. And then Aston Martin were the second slowest team with a 130.460 also on the C5 tyres. So 400 seconds slower than Mercedes.
1: Disappointing, but... Let's hope there's more to come from them.
0: But if Aston Martin were the most hyped team ahead of testing, I reckon the second most hyped team would have been McLaren, who I'm now convinced are going to be Constructors' champion this year. I <laughs> think they've got a better chance than they did last year. It looks good for them. Yeah, yeah, they seem to have a
1: storming weekend. Given that they had the same engine that we were just kind of talking about with Merck and the Aston Martin they had it for the very first time and had to like get used to it it seemed to be all good
0: yeah I think a few people maybe thought McLaren or Williams who also had Mercedes engines might run into similar gearbox issues but McLaren straight out of the gates Daniel Ricciardo first thing Friday morning he just just seemed so at home in the team didn't look like there were too many teething issues he was just saying lap after lap after lap
1: yeah so he went quicker than Lando Uh, Not by much, by about four tenths, half a second-ish. So he looks comfortable. I think what McLaren, if they can translate the power and take a step up with a faster PU next year, they are probably going to benefit from having two of the best racers in their team. So I don't think testing is necessarily where they're going to really kind of shine. I think Lando showed that he he can be quick You know, in his first season, he could hook up a quali lap. But in his second season, he really showed that he can go wheel to wheel. We know Daniel can. And that's where I think they're going to pick up and push forward this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think everyone's quite excited to see what the two of them can do in that Mercedes-powered car if they'll be able to fight for podiums and things this year.
1: They've got to win a race. They've got to win a race this year.
0: I hope so. Imagine if they win the first one.
1: They had two podiums last year. I think I think they've got to push on a little bit and they've got to be there sweeping up. There, there'll be a race where a couple of the big guns get taken out and there's a safety car and they get lucky with tyres or something where um, Racing Point got lucky, where Alpha Tari got lucky. They need to be up there. They need to be in those positions.
0: Yeah, but sadly there wasn't any racing and testing, so they were just trundling around for three days. But I think the major talking point with them was their mysterious new diffuser. Yes. So the the rules this year have changed to try and cut down downforce on the cars, as we mentioned before with the floors, but they've also cut the size of the rear diffuser down. And supposedly McLaren have found a loophole in this by altering the size of the fences on their gearbox casing. So there's the, the gearbox falls sort of below the floor of the car and then the diffuser rises out the back of it but McLaren have extended these little fences off the back of the gearbox to try and extend the straight length on the diffuser. And the team have said that they've found this unique twist that they hope could add a bit more downforce at the back. And they're also surprised that other teams didn't take a similar approach. So it's quite interesting seeing everyone talking about this secretive little project and also did you see when mclaren did the filming day they tweeted a picture of the car but like colored in black (laughs) where the barge boards and the rear of the floor was so that you couldn't see it anyway so they've clearly got a few sneaky little design flourishes on that car that they're hoping is going to be successful and what's interesting this season
1: is that we don't think the teams are going to use any more development tokens on the cars this season they're going to defer them all well they're not going to use them this season because they're going to put all of their kind of development efforts into next year's car but it means that kind of presumably what we see is what we get for the whole year and there'll be none of this kind of divergence into one main idea that is the best way they're all going to kind of have their own philosophy and I think like we said it may only be little tweaks that kind of give them a little bit of an advantage and you know I don't know how much the fins on the floor is really going to change and translate into lap time but a big idea like that for McLaren, if that is like, I think you messaged me, you're like, oh, it's like Braun all over again. They're going to win.
0: Innovative diffuser design, world champion. There's a direct correlation. <laughs> you had the double diffuser with Braun, the blown diffusers with Red Bull. Now McLaren with its funky gearbox diffusers. The thing
1: is, Braun, everyone around them after three months conned on and did what Braun had once it was declared fine. Uh, and then... F1 didn't dominate like they did the first four races. So you can't have that. So, you know, what if McLaren don't get too excited, dominate the first few races because it's so fast and so then no one else can catch up with them.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes. If it is a successful philosophy that they've got, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for teams to adopt it as well, especially the ones that also use the Mercedes engine and the Mercedes gearbox, so have a similar structure under the car to deal with. But it was definitely quite a nice little nerdy talking point of the weekend that I got very excited about. I never thought I'd get excited about a diffuser. And here you are on a podcast you made talking about them.
1: Explaining diffusers. I think I've Well, I hope you haven't, because I want to hear your insight on Red Bull. And it was a very happy weekend for Mr. Doctor, should I say, Helmut Marco, who said that Red Bull had their strongest ever testing which is quite bold, and you wouldn't expect anything less from Albert Marco. But first, probably pretty happy with how the sister team did with Pierre and Yuki Tsunoda.
0: Yeah, Alpha Tauri just seemed to come storming out the gates. Both drivers were just putting down lap after lap after lap, and the times were just slowly improving. They both seemed to be really comfortable in the car, and Yuki Tsunoda one of three rookies this year, ended up second fastest of the whole weekend with a 129.053 on C5 tyres.
1: There has to be a caveat with this. Did you see the article about his use of DRS?
0: No. Tell me all about his use of DRS. I don't want this to ruin the
1: Yuki Tsunoda hype train that you've got going, because I'm I'm all aboard. (laughs) But because testing isn't an official F1 event, there aren't any DRS zones. So you can open DRS wherever you want. And he was opening his 150 meters early every time. So he ended up, I think he was three kilometers an hour faster than Carlos signs in the speed trap because he had his flap open early. I'll send you the onboard lap so you can see. But on a on a track where there's three DRS zones, that could add up to quite That's a That's going to make quite a big difference, yeah. But not to take anything away from it, you watch that on board lap as well, and you think, wow, this kid can really hook up a lap. I don't know why he was opening his DRS early, because maybe he just wanted to be at the top. But I think it's it's a really strong weekend for him anyway, and he's kind of put his name on the map. And he was all anyone could talk about for the last hour, just kind of watching him do lap after lap after lap and go purple.
0: Yeah, I think everyone was definitely getting excited to see the times fall in. Sort of every time he did a lap, it seemed to get quicker and quicker. So that was definitely an exciting thing to see from a rookie in a junior team the way that
1: people were talking about him and how he's very precise and it was like someone talking about Lewis Hamilton and how he drives now and it was quite exciting that it's the first time in a while the rookies come along and really turned heads like that I think
0: especially when the other rookies are Mick Schumacher obviously the son of Michael Schumacher and then Nikita Mazepin who has had a fairly rocky start to his Formula One career it was nice that people were just getting excited about an incredibly fast young driver. So it'll be great to see how he compares with Pierre over the year. I hope he's given time to settle into Formula One before they push him up to the senior team, but who knows, we'll find out.
1: What was super interesting. And I think this might come out and drive to survive was that Helmut told Seb to take a sabbatical and come back to Red Bull in 2022. So they really have got all of their options open.
0: Yeah, on a similar but unrelated note, I saw an interesting stat that Ferrari have now had more Red Bull young drivers than Ferrari young drivers.
1: <laughs> really? That's awful.
0: Although Sergio Perez was a
1: Ferrari young driver and now said Red Bull, yes, that's, you know, their level on that on aggregate there. <laughs> But Perez moves this nicely onto the other side of Helmut Marco's brain. Red Bull smashed it. They had a really good weekend. Max broke the 128s. And this is the thing, like, they looked good but unremarkable. You know, it was just solid, good running, but there was nothing everyone was talking about. There wasn't something on the Red Bull that everyone was astonished by. It was just quick.
0: Yeah. And it seems like, especially in a year where the regulations have stayed quite stable, a few other teams have made these big differences to try and chase big gains. But if all Red Bull have done is just tightened the screws and just improved everything a little bit, that could be all they need because they were consistently the second fastest team yeah. over a weekend. So if all they've done is made little improvements all over the car, that could take the fight to Mercedes and finally after seven years, we'll get a decent fight. <laughs> well, they're connected to the kind of alpha tari and the
1: red bull aspects a big major part if we think that neither of those cars have done anything spectacular it's honda isn't it it's, if you didn't know by the look of their their rear wing that they are
0: now hondas i think that honda logo on the rear wing just looks so at home it looked cool with the aston martin logo that red bull had the past couple of years but it just looks it looks very slick i like it
1: but yeah honda Their final year in Formula One before they bow out promised to dial everything on the engine up to 11 this season. And maybe they really have delivered on that promise, which should really scare everyone else going into 2022 when Red Bull take over that and become Red Bull powertrains. And they've got a really good base
0: to evolve. Especially because the thing that we heard Alex and Max moaning about last year was the power. I mean, all drivers moan about wanting more power. But if both of them complained about having a lack of power and now Honda have come in and dialed everything up, they could be quite a formidable team. What if they
1: do dial everything up and Red Bull and AlphaTauri really take it to them and you think, well, why don't you do this like three years ago? Well,
0: will come to like six races in and we'll all just be bored
1: of Red Bull 1-2s. Oh, one week it's a Red Bull 1-2, the next week it's a McLaren 1-2. Why can't Mercedes win a race? So one team that could be winning races next year again maybe they look more likely than they did last year it's ferrari yeah it's quite a dramatic turnaround isn't it i think they just hit control z yeah if they went back to 2019 that'd be quicker than the dog they had last year
0: but it was great that it was it's not just the ferrari team it seems like it's the ferrari engine which is also helping alfa romeo as well it was great to see both teams make that big step forward that They've kind of been saying they were going to make, but I don't know if anyone really believed them. So that was nice and refreshing to see people like Kimi Top in the timings at some point. And then Carlos Sainz with his new team, he was also putting in some flying laps. So I think everyone is hoping that it's not just a testing fluke. Yeah, it'd be so
1: nice to see Sauber. We call them Alfa Romeo, but they're Sauber F1. Like they've been up near the top before it would be nice to see them mingle with at least the top of the midfield rather than hanging back below Alfa Tauri Kimi's definitely not lost it um, I still think Giovinazzi's a bit of an, a shrug, a kind of gnomon, like he's just not really there but if they can dial a car, if they've got the, the power unit, then that'd be great Ferrari have had a lot on their plate they've had to deal with getting the engine right and sorting out uh, the handling of their car, but you know you'd expect that they'd be able to do that because they shouldn't be down where they were I don't think they're going to win any races. I think they'll crop up on the podium a couple of times, but I don't think they're going to be challenging any more than that. One of the things last year was that Charles really had a grip of that car and Seb didn't. Carlos has driven a lot of F1 cars for a lot of different teams, as young as he is. Hopefully he'll be able to handle it and pick up some of those points that Seb didn't.
0: So yeah, as you said, Carlos has driven quite a few different cars over his time and that must have helped him with his first weekend in the Ferrari because he ended up, third fastest on c4 tires over the weekend so he had a one minute 29.611 which did put him ahead of teammate charles leclerc who was down with c3 tires and a one minute 30.486 obviously we can't compare these times but it's just interesting carlos signs is a talent
1: he's such a talent that he would get a car he deserves and i think when you sign a contract for ferrari you probably think yeah that's going to be my time do you think he
0: expected it to be this year though
1: i think his contract's three years and he signed before the cars hit the tarmac last year didn't he he probably thought he was joining what was at the time a top team uh, and then just watched their decline before his eyes and thought what the hell have i done so i think he's gonna have to come to terms with it might not be this year it might be the year after which is even more uncertain given there's a regulation change but at least he's embedded with the team and it kind of maybe does play to his advantage that he's not starting the new team on year one of the new regulations and completely new cars
0: but I mean do you think he was surprised to see the team make such a jump in performance compared with last year
1: no I don't think he is surprised because you've joined Ferrari I think if Mercedes had a crap year this year you would expect them to sort it out I think you've got to expect the same from Ferrari. They've got to be at the top.
0: Yeah, I would agree. There was a little worry with people thinking that it was going to be another troublesome year for them. But it is nice to see Carlos coming in, posting the third quickest time. Kimi Raikkonen posting the fourth fastest time of the weekend. Obviously, everyone says you can't take anything from testing because you don't know the fuel loads. You don't know the tyres. You don't know the aero loads. They're all posting. But just to see them starting the year on a more positive footing, I think has filled people with a little bit of confidence that the season's going to be all right.
1: Yeah, as long as it's it's not just Merc 1-2, Merc 1-2, or maybe a Red Bull, because that really was the epitome of it last year, wasn't it? It got a bit boring. Question for you then. To wrap up, the one thing we can absolutely take from testing is that we see the cars in their full beauty, on track, and not just from the photographer angles or 3D renders or the really cool augmented reality that we wanted to see from Williams but didn't. Of the 10 teams, what is the best-looking car of 2021?
0: Uh, It's the Alpine. Really? It looks so good. I think from the renders the week before, I would have said the Aston Martin with the Alpine in second, but now I think it's the Alpine with the McLaren in second. I know it's the same livery as last year, but it just looks really good on a racetrack. And then the Alpine just pops and it's yeah. shiny, but then it's not shiny. And then it's blue and it's red at the back. And What about you? I want to go with the Haas
1: because I know that there's everything about, you know, whatever. But I think it's a really bold looking car. And I personally love having a, the really clean white halo. I think that's the thing that really sells it for me. I'm not saying the Haas. The car I am going with is the Alpha Tauri because my god, those white rims are so sexy.
0: They are so good. Is that it? Just the white rims?
1: Oh, what do you mean? Is that it? They're so nice. I like the pinstripe that goes along it this year. And I also think that Alpha Tauri logo, we went from like literally having, being really sad that the Toro Rosso wasn't on the grid anymore because that was a good looking car to this i think it's got that kind of iconic look to it it's very bold
0: it's nice having alpine and Alpha Tauri as our top two i think they're both good looking cars that like you say they could be iconic liveries in years to come that we look back on especially the alpine i'm a big fan of it
1: this year and they've just launched their lmp1 car for WEC this season which looks quite nice as well but that's the thing like alpine alpine was quite a strong brand uh prior to this season in motorsport so they kind of couldn't go wrong they kind of had the setup with it and again with alfa tauri they're a fashion brand so you'd like to hope that they would be able to design a decent looking something
0: so that's it for our look back at testing this year we're now just one week away from the first practice session in bahrain when the 2021 season will finally kick off for good what did you think of testing this year? You can get in touch with both me and Will on Twitter. I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood and Will is at Will Longman. Let us know what you thought, if you had any major takeaways and if you agree that the Alpine and Alpha Tauri are the best looking cars on the grid. The last thing to say is thank you again for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And next week we will be back and we'll be talking through our dream driver lineups. Hope you can join us then. Thank you again.